Alrighty, welcome to another episode of Flip the Record. What's going on, Joe? Same old, same old, brother. What's going on with you? Not much, man. Just excited that it's basically summer. And I know. February <laughs> February 26th at the time of this recording. That fucking groundhog. I'm thinking maybe I should open up the pool next week. It, it's not the craziest thing I've heard. I mean, you, you got that ice tub now that you're using, and <laughs> it, it feels like you got to do something to like keep that cold as opposed to just having it out there. Uh, you know what? Four or five days in a row, it's been about forty during the day. Like, yeah, it's been nice. Usually, it feels like February is the worst month, but also February flu. Uh, yeah, it's at like least for me, basically March. Yeah, fuck, man, it's. When <laughs> this comes out, it. it'll be March. We're so fucking back. Yeah, dude, we're back. <laughs> dude, so I had a. Uh, we talked a little bit about what I'm about to describe with Jack White and uh, Seven Nation Army, where it's just this kind of like encapsulating riveting like pump up track and you'll hear it in stadiums and everybody knows the words and everybody sings along or at least you know the beat i was watching soccer the other day friday afternoon top two teams playing against each other and uh so my team leads they're down one nil in the 80th out of 90 and they score a goal tie it up five minutes later score another goal get ahead in the very last second, score another goal, win 3-1. That that stadium went fucking bananas, dude. And so they were singing their usual, like, lead song, you know, the, the fight song, whatever. I was like, ah, right, this is cool. Then uh, there was this moment where they played this song, uh, I Predict a Riot by Kaiser Chiefs. <laughs> Strange thing. It's, n- it's no Seven Nation Army, but... Uh, Kaiser Chiefs is this band from Leeds, and the entire stadium knew it. And there's this moment where everybody has left the, the field already. It's like 10 minutes after the game ended up still. And everybody's still in the stands, hanging around, losing their minds. And the whole stadium's singing along to this. And the, the coach, our coach, is just standing there on the pitch by himself, looking at the stands like, holy shit, this is nuts. And in that moment, I was like, whoa, this song fucking rocks. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, man, it's just having those moments of, of sports joy mixed into this dreary, cold, gray winter is uh, – it's kind of nice. That's a cool moment. I remember last year for one of the NHL games, like the whole crowd was singing all the small things yeah. as it was playing over the loudspeaker. Yeah, and then they cut the speaker and the whole crowd just kept going. Yeah, yeah that, that was electric too. Yeah, it's pretty fucking cool, man. But yeah, we're going to be covering today uh, my favorite group that we've covered this year outside of Bring Me the Horizon, Queens of the Stone Age. It strikes me as crazy that this is – like your second favorite group we've covered so far. And that's not, it's not a huge sample size necessarily. But when I was listening through this, I, I was struggling and struggling and struggling to find a comp to these guys. They're, they have a very unique sound. Um, it's sort of this like grunge mixed with, um, mixed with this like eclectic kind of druggy, trancey sound. Yeah, but other times s- kind of poppy and stoner rock. It struck me as I was listening through their fourth album that this is somewhat comparable to, to stone temple pilots hmm, uh, i don't know about that i knew I, that's where i was going with this because i knew you were going to say that but I, I feel like they play very very similar styles of music and one band you, you didn't have any affinity for queens of the stone age but you're loving this no i had no affinity for Sto- uh, or STP, yeah for yeah, stone yeah. temple pilots but you're loving this so tell me what it is about these guys that you're like falling in love with a little bit Dude, it's just the it's just the sound. The guitars are turn up to eleven. They t- crank the mids up all the way up, so it's just a super crunchy like 
guttural sound and they have some of the catchiest riffs I've ever heard in my life. And it's like, and that's like three fourths of every album. Like, it's not like, Oh, here's a good riff every here and there. It's like every song, I'm like, Oh yeah. Like I want to learn how to play this. Like, this is awesome. And the, the songwriting and, you know, Josh, Josh's voice, his, vo- his voice isn't the best, but they add some effects to it and they make it work with what they're playing. And it's the end product is good. The songwriting, I think, picks up after the first album or so, and it gets better, like, the further into their catalog you go. And I don't know. I just – the more and more I've li- – the more I listen to these guys, the more I really, really enjoy them. It's funny, as we dig into it, that we're – we split up Queens of the Stone Age and Dire Straits over four weeks without realizing that they're both bands who are alt-rock in a very similar situation where both lead singers – have their limitations on the mic but the music around them is fucking masterful yeah and to see what they can do with that that sound their sounds respectively is really interesting to do this like in a back and forth kind of pattern here i'm like yeah, i was kind of thinking that yesterday and i think uh you you touched on something there their guitarist troy van lewin is what maybe the most underrated guitarist of the of the century so far it, it's everything you said he's just there's not a lot of tracks where it just kind of drones along. Mm-hmm. There's certainly some, but there's so many where you'll get that bass riff or that main riff, whatever it is, bass, electric guitar, acoustic guitar, and then you'll get Troy over top of it just doing his thing, going crazy. Um, it, it's a really fun listen. It, and it, to an extent, it is It's an, a bit of an eclectic taste, right? Um, it's not Foo Fighters. It's not chili peppers it's not even like a lincoln park or you know compared to some of your other hard rock bands of the late 90s 2000 it's somewhere between pop rock and grunge it's 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 a lot louder than like foo fighters or some of those bands that you just named so like i i comped them i comped them to stone temple pilots and what i think the comp there is is they do have that very heavy um like loud crunchy almost like post grunge sound to them uh, I mean, another good comp here is Soundgarden. Uh, they sound a lot like that to me as well. Um, but as you go along, and at least for the first four albums we're talking about today, you feel them start to divulge a little bit and create their own sound where they, they mix in blues, they mix in mm-hmm. pop, they mix in all sorts, almost even to a lesser extent, certain country elements. Um, it It's just this odd amalgamation that just comes together so masterfully. And again, back to what we said about having the back and forth with these two bands, I think Dire Straits does the same thing. Uh, so it's really cool that we're covering both of these back to back. Yeah, it's definitely a sound that, I don't know, it's like uh, as I'm listening through the albums, I'm like, man, like I, I've never heard this before. Like It's just such a unique sound. It is unique. They don't follow um, kind of concrete song patterns. They march. To the, they literally march to the tune of their own drum. <laughs> um and sometimes that's to their detriment, but oftentimes it, it's it's a wild success. Um, yeah. And I think I think that may be the only reason that they don't have the, it's the level of acclaim over Foo Fighters, right? I mean, they're still uh, still selling out arenas in 2024. I mean, they're a huge band. I'm just saying, you know. Yeah. Um, all righty. Cool. With that all being said, let's get into these guys a little bit. So we mentioned a couple of bands already to compliment to, um, but. These guys came together in 96 in Seattle, kind of home of grunge. Uh, But as I mentioned, their sound is early on. I think their sound, their first album, very grungy. We'll get into it. After that, it starts to fade away into something a little bit more unique. But first album, very grungy, very heavy. Um, 
they went through a, a multitude of different names and and you know combinations of band members um and over the years they've had up upwards of 15 different guys as kind of standing members of this band yeah and they kind of pop in and out every now and then yeah and so that's the weird thing where it, they strike me almost as a jam band in a way where like <laughs> each album feels like they it, it, josh is the core of the band and then later on taylor or troy and a couple other people but it's really josh and troy like holding down the the fort and then a rotating cast of characters to fill in the gaps. Yeah, and the first two albums, it was like Josh and Nick holding it down. Right. And then they get rid of Nick, and then it's more Josh and Troy. But like you said, like they got several guys that just pop in, and you're like, oh, like this guy's on the vocals, or this guy's, you know, yeah. Dave Grohl's playing drums for an album, or, what, you know, whatever. As I scroll to the bottom of their Wikipedia page to see their members, I'm reading five current members and 13, I think former members or touring members that's got to be a record for anyone we've covered yeah for anyone we've covered by far um you know <laughs> no there's no one else dude there's literally no one else yeah that's crazy man um so it's <laughs> that again unique very unique um very jammy but i don't i i think they their their core has enough to to drive it along uh anyhow they're also jammy in the sense where when a lot of the reading I was doing and prep for this episode where they would say like, oh, we started this song because, you know, Troy had this riff and then Josh like just came up with the verse on the fly or Nick had this bass line and then Josh came up with this riff on the fly. So a lot of these songs were made from like jam sessions, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the things we've kind of touched on, but you'll see attributed to. Uh, Queens of the Stone Age is this like kind of stoner rock moniker, um, and it's it's apparent when you look at the artwork on a lot of these albums too. They're oddball choices for the most part. Whereas I think for the first album, with the deba debut album, we'll cover. It's a very classic, not classic, but like standard rock cover. Just a hot chick on the on the album, the cover or the cover of the album. Nothing crazy. As it goes along, you'll see stranger and stranger icon, you know icons items uh along the way like air vulgaris has two broken cartoonish uh light bulbs yeah the pink that's the pink one yeah uh yeah, yeah the yeah. green and the pink light bulb yeah it's you know uh, among those other things um yeah lullaby is paralyzed interesting too interesting group and i think it's kind of uh, the word i'll use all day is eclectic it's an, it's an eclectic group of people um starting with josh and one of the the notes i'm reading here about from Josh uh, as we go along is kind of how they get this name. Uh, like I said, they have been through a couple different names. Cuse, uh, Gamma Ray were a couple of the names they had early on. They eventually stumble on Queens of the Stone Age. This is this, this nickname that had been given to them uh, in a former iteration of the band. Um, and, and so the quote here from Hom about choosing this name, uh, he goes, Kings would be too macho. The Kings of the Stone Age wear armor have axes, wrestle. The queens of the Stone Age hang out with the kings of the Stone Age's girlfriends when they <laughs> wrestle. Rock should be heavy enough for the boys and sweet enough for the girls. That way everyone's happy and it's a bit more of a party. Kings of the Stone Age is too lopsided. I think that hits the nail on the fucking head. But it, it, it that, that quote in particular opened me up to a little bit of some of the other aspects of their stuff. We'll get into this first album, but from two through the end to present you'll hear a lot of songs that are very rooted in hard rock metal but you'll hear other heavy songs and if you imagine yourself kind of live listening to this you can see that oh that's that's a pop track that's been tuned down mm. 
you can hear, oh, that's a country rock track that's been tuned down. Oh, this is this is prog rock. This is classic rock. There's all sorts of these these wild different inspirations that go into this band that they really they they take the the bones of that and turn it into their own thing with these heavy, low kind of washed guitars and multiple guitars and, and multiple instrumentals. Yeah. And going off what you said on on the name and like the Queens or Kings, I think these guys hands down have the best song titles and album titles that we've covered so far. I mean, ra- rated R. That's an that's a Mount Rushmore of rock album names. That's a cool <laughs> like, uh, yeah, for songs sure. for the death, lullabies, paralyzed, and their newest album, Time in Times New Roman. Like yeah. these are ju- they're just whole, like funny, but like awesome, super names. clever. Yeah, and even their song names. I mean, I'll just I'll kind of you know talk about them as we go along. But there's a handful of song names that just made me chuckle. Yeah, kind of ridiculous, but also goofy, and it's cool. Yeah. I like I like a lot of stuff going on here, and they're just a. a a wildly like uh creative like inflective group so yeah um that's all i got in the intro so why don't we get right into this first album here self-titled debut yeah 1998 opens with regular john which has an awesome opening riff and the guitar in the song i mean this is just the essence of queens of the stone age the guitar kicks ass this is a very queens of the stone age like this is their sound their sound, their sound. It's the same thing for the next until present. Um, it's a good sound. I didn't find the music necessarily inspired, let's say. Uh, something about it just felt a little bit, like, guarded. Uh, like, it, it wasn't Troy licking all over the place. It wasn't Josh and his, you know, more kind of typical songs for the death kind of sound on the mic. Um, it just, it felt a little bit, somewhat generic in terms of like choreography here but it's still good sound i'm not gonna denying that i just i wish this wasn't the first track on the album i guess oh really i <laughs> see i disagree I, I love this as an opener like it just comes in crashing lets you know what the sound's gonna be about it, i don't know this for me it just it kicks ass okay yeah i hear you and this is certainly one of the more popular songs from this album so yeah no doubt and the praise regular john is someone who frequently solicits you know women of the night uh and that kind of plays out lyrically a bit in the song they also have in the last minute of the song he sings josh sings eight sixteen seven eight two and he's spitting out these different numbers uh in an old interview with josh he said at first they were going to put in a real number but then decided against it that it would be too much of a dick move to put someone's <laughs> real phone number <laughs> pretty fucking cool though <laughs> yeah which it, I, there's so many tidbits like when we go through this of these guys just being jokesters and, and goofs oh they're goofballs dude so yeah that definitely made me chuckle that he's like ah let's put in this number of this person we don't like and then they're like ah maybe not for the first album <laughs> <laughs> oh good stuff here man uh next track avon this is the one i wanted as the opener for the album it's a, a same kind of sound heavy grungy low thick um but no, a little bit more nuanced. This is where you do get the vocals changing in range a little bit. You do get Troy like uh, licking on and off. Um, it still is not the top top tier of their of their catalog, but very nice work here. This should have been the first song. Yeah, they have a cool line in here where he sings, "Free range humans all cooped up and naked clone is playing lame." Or is essentially like comparing mindless humans to you know mindless chickens going through the motions of life, 
And uh, I thought that was a really cool metaphor. But yeah, this song, this would have also been a good opener. I love the music here. Another great track. Perfect. Next one, uh, If Only. This is the first one that struck me as a bit pop rocky, turned down no notches. Um, the drums and the riff coming together have a very pop cadence to them. Go back and listen. It, it sounds poppy. But again, you got to. You kind of, kind of like disconnect yourself from the the heavy crunch of these guitars. A um, little bit more energetic, a little bit more choral in the the vocals here. Um, some good licks on this one. This is a fun track. This is a good one at three here. Yeah, funny enough, I really like those ones where they're kind of pop songs turned down. Like, I I think that's their best work. I do too. Yeah, yeah. Those are not all the time, but most of the time, those are the songs on the album. I'm like, oh yeah, like this is what I'm vibing to. They're dance along because I think sometimes they have a tendency on the tracks that are intentionally hard rock metalish, where it gets a little bit too thick. It just gets a little bit like everything comes down on itself a little bit. Um, whereas this one or stuff like this, you can more kind of like bop your head to a little bit. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Alrighty. After that is walking on the sidewalks. It's got a weird weird vibe to it but this is one where josh said he had a dream and uh everyone or, or uh, sorry i put in quotes here a dream could have been more likely yeah a, yeah trip yeah yeah where everyone <laughs> he was walking with everyone on earth and then they all floated into space and they all became stars in the sky so whoa yeah <laughs> that was the inspiration for the song and then dave Grohl heard it and was like oh what if there was a neighborhood up there oh <laughs> that'd be crazy <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is like very grunge blues sound here. A bit Nirvana, a bit Soundgarden, that kind of style of grunge blues. Heavy, thick guitars, slow chopping along. Um, very like head banging energy to it, even though it's a slightly slower track. Um, you know, the music, it doesn't strike me as uh, wildly like creative, um, but it's uh, just a great sound. I do like this one. Yeah, I do too. And even though I said that was the his trip was the inspiration for the song, the lyrics aren't that crazy. They're not that yeah, far out. Yeah, the lyrics aren't crazy, and neither is the music. But it's just a very nice sound. Yeah. Next one, uh, you would know is, uh, I don't know. I didn't like this one really at all. Oh, I like this one. Uh, it's a very, very, very simple grunge track. Um, you know, it sounds fine, but it just. I don't know. I just didn't do it for me, man. Like, I, there's nothing to it. The, the the beats just kind of in this like mid slow energy. Guitars aren't really doing anything crazy. The vocals are still somewhat lackluster. Eh. Yeah, I'm pulling up uh, Spotify just to see which ones I s end up saving. This was one I ended up saving. Uh, I kind of like this one. I think it's about drugs. The lyrics are kind of weird. He's kind of like having a conversation with someone. Um, I like the music a lot more in this one than like the actual lyrics. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, but it, yeah, he opens it with "Me just happy robot live on hill of beans," which made me laugh. Yeah, that's something we touched on, but maybe should be reiterated: is Josh's voice, especially in this first album, is nothing to write home about. He's much like we talked about last week with Mark Knopfler, very much stuck in his one one level, one kind of range, very limited range and doesn't deviate doesn't even try to deviate mm -hmm. um doesn't bring in anybody else on the on the back to help him well they do end up like they yeah. get different people to do lead vocals throughout the first couple albums like mm. they have nick do a couple songs and they have mark 
That is Mark Lanigan. Lanigan, yes. Yeah, they had Mark Lanigan come on and do lead vocals for quite a few songs, too. Gotcha. Which is kind of weird. Like, Yeah, you don't see that a lot. But th- again, back to this the very jammy thing. Yeah, but I, I do like a handful of the songs that Lanigan does lead vocals for, too. Yeah, he's good stuff there. Yeah. Uh, the next one. Did you listen to the bonus version of this album or the regular? So I got the bronze up next. Yeah, I've got the bronze okay, as well. Okay, cool. Uh, this is a little bit more what I'm looking for. Up-tempo, higher energy, slightly tuned up, brighter grunge. Lead guitar is all over the place here, just ripping away. Uh, fast, heavy, you know, underlying riff under that. Uh, vocals are energetic, slightly cleaned up on the mic a little bit too. The, the effect is a little bit cleaner. Uh, the drums are kicking ass too on this one. Just a great track, great deep cut. Yeah, I like the solo here a lot, and I'll point it out because I have specific notes when we get to specific songs. But the Spotify and Apple Music versions of the albums, they have like what were like hidden tracks on like certain parts of like the vinyl or the mm. CDs. Yeah, I so saw that's that why on it even says the bronze, uh, you know, bonus, track. bonus tracks. Yeah. So that's why they do that on some. That's why it looks it's weird. Yeah, in the yeah. Spotify presentation for it. Right, right. Okay. Um, all right, next one. How to Handle a Rope, A Lesson in the Lariat. So the title of this this track has changed over the years. This is oh, not really? the original name of the song. Hmm. Um, oh, I don't have it pulled up here anymore, but I think I think the original title of the song was just How to Handle a Rope. Oh, okay. And then they, re- they redid this album back in like 08 or 09, and then they added in that little bit at the end there. Um, just a little fun little note there this is a loud kind of in-your-face grungy rocker on this one very similar to the last track in a lot of ways um this one kicks ass too yeah so the lyrics in this song are really really dark it's about suicide some of the lyrics you got it all right you got a feeling i'd rather open up my wrist let it go you got it all right you got a feeling because devils and ropes around your neck cursing them all and i was reading from reddit user they got Madi, m-a-w-t-y on this song, if I remember correctly, the prevailing theory behind the lyrics is that Josh heard about people killing themselves to Judas Priest song, so he wrote how to handle a rope to see if anyone would kill themselves to it. He was never able to corroborate that story, though. Jesus. I, I mean, who knows if it's true. It's yeah, yeah, that's a crazy Reddit, but That's a crazy tidbit, though. Yeah. Holy hell. And it's a it's a dark, dark, like the guitar is super distorted. The yeah. lyrics are dark. It's, it's, yeah. a, it's about suicide. It's a dark song. It's I do thick. like it, though. It's thick. It's a great musical sound, but it's thick. Yeah. For sure. Next one. Maybe the hit off this album, Mexicola. Um, opens with this low, intense sound. Uh, kind of after a little bit, 20, 30 seconds, breaks into this slightly slower, heavy track. Uh, a little bit more palatable for the average listener, let's say. Um, good, Really good energy on the mic here, though. I did notice on this one his vocal on the mic here, certainly better than a lot of the other work on this album. Um, but it, it keeps that tense kind of, you know, not scary, but a little bit of that edge to it feeling throughout, um, the main riff here fucking rocks again. Yes. This is a classic riff. Um, symbols getting a lot of love on the drum kit here, just clashing away the whole way through Uh, really cool track off this one. Yeah. I wasn't entirely sure what this one's about. He's got some cool lines in here. I think it's about how life is hard, but I, I really have no idea. But Mexicola itself is a mixed drink of tequila, lime juice, and cola. So, oh, tequila coke. Ooh. Yeah, it sounds kind of gross to be honest. Ugh, yeah, not for me. Uh, speaking of uh, Latin American 
in you know stuff. Hispanic impressions. So they have three instrumental tracks. This being the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in varying levels of interest for me, this is the best of the three, in my opinion. Uh, the guitars here are fucking awesome. All uh, there's two or three of them playing along, and they're just ripping, dude. Full on like balls to the walls grunge rock here uh absolutely check this out for cool guitar work great song name too yeah <laughs> it's f- funny it comes right after mexicola oh yeah that's intentional for sure yeah 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 Yeah. so next up is you can't quit me baby which is a really really another really really dark song very dark and it struck me that they don't really have any balance at least for these first four albums there are no ballads Except for maybe this lullaby, but that's more of like a concept track than anything. But this struck me as about as close as a ballad as they'll get. Uh, not in the sense that it's like light and soft and, and you know airy, but it's just got it's got a little bit of that like it's got these wailing notes that drag the song along a little bit slower. Got a little bit of a softer feel, even though it's you know still got those heavy guitars on it. Um, Josh. I don't want to say crooning, but like working the mic a little bit better, getting into that higher range a little bit. Uh, I just th- there's something different about this track than a lot of the other songs in this album. Um, but it is really cool work, and it's a great one to have this late in the album, especially breaking it up for Mexicola, Hispanic, ugh, Hispanic impressions. The next one is even heavy too. Uh, so this is a good break in the action. Yeah, this one is not really for me, but I do have. A uh, couple cool fun facts on this one. Like, lyrically, this is... There's a person in the song singing about, like, an obsession that they have with, um, you know, someone else. They, they don't specify genders or anything, but the person who's obsessed with this other person is so obsessed that they, like, cut themselves to ensure that they're on the mind of the other person, like, forever and always. Uh, one of those and toxic things. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, and then the outro of the song is, You're solid gold, I'll see you in hell, which kind of infers that this person is going to drag the person that they're obsessed with ah. down with them, which again, it's just really, really dark. And you know, some of the lines followed your friends. You were not there slash. And I cut, I bled in the sink. Um, so that's kind of what the song's about, which is, is really dark. Yeah. And then in another fun fact, there's a video of these guys performing this in Rio in 2001. Hilarious. They're all as destroyed as I've ever seen a band performing <laughs> live before. Like, just like not with the program at all, like eyes, you know, cross eyed and, and yeah. clearly like 11 Fucked out of 10 up beyond messed up beyond belief. <laughs> and they still <laughs> deliver a great performance of this song. <laughs> but it's, um, oh man. And they do a, uh, it's an 18 minute version of the song where <laughs> go figure. They have a four minute intro, 10 minute outro, outro, and they have like dancers and a percussion band on stage. <laughs> There's, the, there's a massive crowd like there's you know hundreds. yeah yeah big stadium yeah and uh so at the end of the song the bassist at the time nick he strips naked and the crowd starts chanting motherfucker motherfucker <laughs> as he's arrested <laughs> yeah yeah he, he had a quote after that uh, when he got back home out of jail and everything he goes well, i didn't know you couldn't do that <laughs> yeah he, <laughs> i've got the quote here he said to the media i thought that since you have naked woman on carnival it would be okay to do so (laughs) (laughs) oh man that's the (laughs) that's an all-time what do you mean (laughs) (laughs) i didn't know i couldn't do that oh man too good 
Uh, all righty. Next one. These aren't the droids you're looking for. Speaking of clever, kind of quirky uh, song titles here. Another, the second of the three instrumentals. This one has a little bit more of a questy vibe to it. Uh, low, heavy, very grunge-rooted, uh, very jammy as well on this one. Um, you know, still some cool guitar work, not quite to the level of Hispanic impressions, but still nice work here. And I would give this one another listen. As I like, I, I would have this on the playlist. Yeah, in the quest vibe makes sense since it's a Star Wars reference. Right, right, yeah. yeah. The track after that is Give the Mule What He Wants, which has some killer guitar and bass riffs. Yeah, and this one struck me as pop rock turn grunge again here with that riff and the chanty vocals. It's it's so clearly pop rock, um, but in their style, heavy and low, energetic, fun. Uh, like you said, great riff on this one. Even the drums are kind of poppy. Uh, this is a great deep cut in their catalog. Yeah, and it's funny. I had I put a note in here, like doing these guys and then the Dire Straits. I have come around a little bit more to appreciating bands that might not have, especially in their earlier work at least, because I, I think they do get better, but just appreciating it just for the sound of it and not necessarily the lyrics. Like yeah. I, I think I'm getting better at that. Yeah, I, and I can see. We've talked about it. It's hard from your perspective where you are kind of deep diving a little bit on all of these lyrics. So I, I could see where that turns you off at times, but you know, it's a, one of those close your eyes and just let it wash over you, especially this band. The music's so good, like I they they could go up and sing the alphabet and I'd be jamming <laughs> to it. <laughs> uh, I like that. All righty, next one, the final instrumental on the album, Spiders and Vinegaroons. Six minute instrumental. Six minute instrumental. This is more trancey, more slow. Um, but it's got this kind of like odd, ominous feeling to it throughout. Um it, that's built up by this like subtle, like low riffing, claps, washy synth going like raising and lowering and level. Um, it, it's a strange track and it's more on their eclectic side, but it is cool. Um, you know, depending on what you're looking for, it's cool. Yeah, for sure. And they close out the album with all time song name. I was a teenage hand model. <laughs> yeah. And this is the strangest song of the bunch on the album uh, of somewhat strange songs. Um, light and low poppy kind of trancey sound to it. It's quiet, but there's also like fun, energetic like vibes on the mic, and it's it's just a weird song. Uh, it doesn't fit the album at all. But if you're gonna put it anywhere, you put it at the end, I guess. Um, yeah, it's not for me. No, me neither. So, Josh said on this one, it was about an encounter he had in some bar in Seattle with this guy that he <laughs> quoted as a washed up loser. <laughs> I guess you know maybe he used to be a hand model, and that's where he got the title. Okay. Uh, so on. Towards the end of the song, they have, like, a spaceship kind of sounding ending. Yeah. And in an interview, Josh said that he added these wacky endings to the first two albums to, quote, wake up all the stoners who would otherwise enjoy falling asleep to them. <laughs> <laughs> Which is kind of funny. I didn't write it down, but it's uh, I'm unlocking a memory right now. This is the one where I think it's Nick or somebody else gets on the mic and is like, hey, this is Nick Oliveri. Oh, okay. Uh, does It might be. I might be thinking of a different track. And in fact, I think I am. I'm thinking of songs that for songs for the deaf. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, later yeah. on. Yeah. But yeah, funny that there he's like, yeah, we're just going to add these funky sounds just to wake people up. He gets his audience. <laughs> <laughs> they are of him. <laughs> my, my only closing thought is 
I like albums two, three, and four a lot better, but I think this is still a great debut album. Or not, maybe not great, but it's a it's a s- good debut album. I'm I'm in the good camp. Yeah, it it, uh, it establishes their sound, and still gives you a handful of tracks that you can walk away with being happy. Yeah. Um. I guess one note that I wanted to touch on before we move on. It's a bold choice to have on the original artwork for this album a semi-naked woman. When you're, you know, you need to put this album in stores, or I guess CD. You need to put the CD in stores for people to sell. And I'm sure Walmart and, and Kmart uh, are not thrilled having a semi-naked porn star on the cover of your album. Uh, and what's even stranger is there's there's alternative artwork for this album. And in the alternative artwork, there's a woman, like, uh, laying on a cloud with her tits just hanging out, like, fully. <laughs> so it strikes me as strange and uh, a, a bold, bold choice for a first album. But it's just it's just funny, like that they did, they just don't care. Makes a point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got <laughs> I've got some great notes on the first the next track here. The uh, alrighty. Well, let's just do it. So that was debut nineteen ninety eight. Now we'll get into rated R two thousand. Yeah, like I said. On the Mount Rushmore rock album names for me. I love the like the name just rated R for a hard rock. And it, it perfectly matches up with the album cover too, because the it would have been so easy to, to title it rated R and put some like wild you know scene on the on the cover. To just have that like rated R label warning on the cover is so perfectly in tune with what they do and w- what this is. It's hilarious. It's awesome. It's a perfect little like <laughs> like side joke. I can't up. believe nobody had done that before. Yeah, yeah, it took them uh, a good 40 years to figure this one out. <laughs> good work, guys. Uh, no, this is this is a much, much more adventurous album, let's say. Um, I think they, they've established themselves and now feel the ability to spread their, spread their wings a little bit. There's a little bit more of that kind of eclectic sound, but I think the the points that we highlighted in the first album are amplified here wildly. Uh, so much better on the good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, there's still a handful of tracks in the middle I'm not in love with, but I think the top and the bottom are fantastic uh, parts of the album. There, again, a lot of good songs on this one. It's funny we're swapped because I like most of the songs in the middle, and then at the end I think it tapers off a little bit. But to each his own, There's a, I like three-fourths of the tracks on this album. All righty, well, let's get into it then. It opens with the feel-good hit of the summer. Oh, man. It is... <laughs> what a choice. Again, talk about bold choices. The I think literally every word in the lyrics, except for and, is the title of a drug. I've got the whole lyrics of the song right here. It's O, nicotine, valium, Vicodin, marijuana, ecstasy, and alcohol. And then cocaine. The, the chorus is cocaine <laughs> I... There's no other lyrics to it. It's a bizarre choice. I've got perhaps my favorite note that I've had on a song since we started doing this podcast. In 2007, Queens of the Stone Age were forcefully removed from a rehab center in California for playing this song. They were going to play a lighthearted show for the patients there, (laughs) but Josh Holm and his twisted sense of humor decided to open their set with this song, and they were immediately unplugged. (laughs) (laughs) How funny is that, dude? Dude, those poor bastards, too, because they were, you know, the management at this place was like, oh, they want to come perform at our, our, our <laughs> rehab center? That's hell yeah. These guys are addicts. Like, that'd be awesome. Thank you so much. 
In two seconds, they just what? <laughs> I mean, it's fucking crazy. They, it's so funny though. They like they couldn't take the joke. Oh, I mean, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough spot, but you got to know who you're, who you're bringing in to, because certainly the manager was like, I don't know, man, like Queens of the Stone Age, whatever. I mean, you had to have known they were going to pl- try and play this track, <laughs> you know, if you knew you would know, it's, but I'm saying they didn't know. It's the same thing as uh, Woodstock 99, where they right fire John yeah. Shire and what's his face, Michael, Michael, whatever, tell Red Hot Chili Peppers to calm the crowd down and then they come they out and play, play fire. fire. Yeah, <laughs> you know. The Rockers, that's what they do. Uh, oh man but yeah this is a cool track even musically uh you know it's just this it's fairly simple uh it's kind of a fast like thumpy low riff to it um the bass really set in a tone and then the guitar kind of screeching over the top of it in parts um but super high energy super high pace uh a couple wild screechy solos mixed in it's it's an awesome opener yeah, you know what's funny? The first time I listened to this, I was like, oh, this is – it's funny, but I don't know if it's for, for me. And then I listened to it a couple more times, and I was like, yeah, I like this. And it's funny, too, because I, I think the average the average listener doesn't get it. Um, so, like, when this album comes out, Walmart and I think Meyer or one of the other yep. big uh, stores tried to ban this album from being in their stores because they thought this song was promoting drug use. Um, Even though this song in particular contains no swear words. No swear words at all. Um, and I, I, I think they're missing the point there. I think that the bit about this song, the song's titled Feel Good Hit of the Summer. When you think of Feel Good Hit of the Summer, you think of pop, you think of like pop rocky artists, maybe a country artist. Um, and I think at the time it, it may have been, I don't know, want to say okay, but it might have been in vogue to kind of glamorize drug use uh, in certain circles. And I think this, this song is so pointedly like about drug use that titling it feel good hit of the summer is actually a sarcastic bit about like ah we'll just make a song about drugs and that'll be the hit well yeah so hit is obviously the play on words and josh actually said on it like the controversy was all part of like a master plan because the point of the song is to see how people react to it right it lists drugs but it doesn't say like yes drugs or no no drugs there's no opinion there's just drugs he said you say things and that makes people react it's like he read off like the schedule one list (laughs) that's literally (laughs) what it's like uh yeah it's it's people way overreacted to this track you know what the best part of that story is though is that walmart eventually agreed to stock the album without a warning label since it was already called the rated r (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's that's like you know checkmate (laughs) yeah yeah 5d chess i i love that that's so funny oh man this rocks great open yeah all right next track uh, the Lost Art of Keeping a Secret. A little softer than the last track. Not soft, just softer. Uh, buzzing guitar chords mixed with xylophone hits and mid-level vocals. Up-tempo, shuffly drums. Um, as the chorus comes along, the electric guitar really kicks up hard, and then uh, you get these like screechy, slow solos towards the end. Um, vocals generally more in a mid-level here. I didn't find his vocals to be super impressive. Um, there's some good work on the guitar here. Otherwise, probably not something I'd come back to. Oh, really? I like this one a lot. I do think in the chorus, too, he puts emphasis on his voice when he's singing, like, with, like, a sense of, like, direness or urgency. Yeah, he's yeah, singing, yeah. don't tell anyone. Uh, you know, obviously the song about the lost art of keeping a secret. Uh, for me, I, I really like this one. I really love the chorus. I think this is another kick-ass song. For me, they're two for two here. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, all right. Well, I don't think we're going three for three, then. Next track, Leg of Lamb. Uh, 
this is weird. This is just one of their weird kind of jammy tracks. Um, weird name, too. Yeah, it's screechy guitar mixed with like a tuned up kind of buzzy bass, uh, but lower energy overall. Uh, simple drums, low, almost like spoken verses. Um, it's just, it feels a little bit lackluster and druggy, trancey type deal. It's just not for me. Yeah, so fun fact on this one. In the bridge, there's this part where it sounds like there's like these dis- super distorted guitars, but it was really Josh and then their producer Chris saying, dumb, dumb, you idiot, over and over again. And then they just distorted <laughs> it so severely that you wouldn't, that it sounds like a, yeah, a guitar. Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, but no, I do agree with you. This is definitely like one of their, it's just one of their strange ones. Yeah, like, it's, you know, it's for a certain audience, not for us. Yeah, that's a that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. Alrighty, next one, autopilot. Uh, this kind of this like southern rock bluesy sound here, mid tune bass, a hollow mid tune kind of obfuscated guitar licking over the top of it. Uh, simple drums, again conversational vocals for the most part, um, but it's it's more of a full, well rounded sound with the band. Um, it's better. I I actually like this one, and this is one of the ones where Nick Oliveri's on the mic. Yeah, yeah, you got Nick here a little bit. That's good too. And they get. For some of the songs that Nick's on the mic, they do get Josh to do like background vocals for some of the right, right. the bits. But yeah, this one he you know he's on the lead. And let's see, do I have any other fun facts on this one? Oh, I guess they um they did this one live, like as like a a preview trial, and then ended up putting it on the album. Like after oh okay, yeah. kind of demoed it. See yeah. what people thought. I Just like cool. that. That's cool. Alrighty, next one. Better living through chemistry. Um, bass gets real buzzed up here. Uh, opens with this riffing bass, kind of up tempo and more xylophone here. Uh, tense, long, long buildup, and then on top of that thick, like kind of buzzy bass, you get an even more up tempo, energetic, buzzy guitar. Um, like along the way, it's like two minutes twenty into the track, you finally get some vocals. Um, you know, guitar's doing a lot of work here, a lot of cool stuff. Um, the vocals are fairly nothing. Uh, it's strange, but I do like the guitar work. Yeah, I actually like the vocals, too. This this track, for me, falls in the category of would be awesome to see under the influence. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, some of the vocals, the blue, pills op- the blue pill opens your eyes. Is there a better way? A new religion's prescribed to those without the faith. A hero holding a knife and blood is not enough. Is it too late to go back? Is it too late to go? And... They said on the song that it's kind of talking about like the hypocrisy that comes with different attitudes on drugs and drug use, uh, especially in America, where like at that time, marijuana was illegal and could put you in jail for years. And then you get companies like Pfizer, you know, launching all these different drugs that have yeah. a million side effects yeah. and that are, you know, oftentimes more powerful than those basic drugs such as marijuana. And, uh, you know, these guys are all obviously pro drugs. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think the. On the more conservative side of the gr- drug issue, I think there's an interesting like disconnect between alcohol and hard drugs. So I was having this conversation with a buddy uh, last summer, and I said something about like, like, oh, you're not supposed to like. We were fucking around, we were drunk, and I, somebody wanted to throw in a pizza. I was like, oh, you're too drunk to operate heavy machinery. <laughs> and uh, we got into this argument about whether or not alcohol is a drug. Yeah, definitely. And I said, yeah, alcohol is a drug. He's like, he was arguing with me. He's like, no, with alcohol, it's a different thing. And when you really, like, look at its base, base, base level and you, like, 
you remember when you're in dare class, right? Like they teach you alcohol and they teach you marijuana and they teach you nicotine in the same class. They teach you about hard drugs. Um, there really is like no difference aside from the level of, let's say, intensity that follows, you know, a couple beers versus a hit of heroin. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like um, it's just this this interesting disconnect that I found that I, it's fascinating because. No matter, I probably argued with him for thirty minutes about this. and could not convince him that alcohol was a drug. That's crazy. It it's is wild. crazy too. Thinking back in the last hundred years and and beyond, where it's like alcohol used to be illegal, and then marijuana, and it's like I'm sure at the time we're eighty and like psilocybin's legal, and and who knows what else. Where it's like, it's just funny that the the public perception on drugs and how it changes over time. Yeah, but then also like the arbitrary lines they draw. Right. It's and nothing's like based in science or fact or anything. It's just we think this, so this is how it is. Yeah, like if I if I drink caffeine, I like caffeine yeah, caffeine's gives, a drug? Yeah, cuz it gives me energy and it helps me get through the day. And if I don't drink caffeine, then the people who drink do drink caffeine are dirty pieces of shit <laughs> that that need caffeine just to get through their day. It's like, yeah, uh, you could make that same argument about all of them is my point here. Right. Um, just an interesting tangent there. I um, thought of. Yeah. One more fun fact for this album rated R. This was recorded at Sound City Studios in Los Angeles where Nirvana recorded Nevermind. Oh, hell yeah. And uh, I guess there's a documentary on the studio, which would probably be cool to check out if it's got stuff from like Nirvana and Queens. Among other bands. Yeah. 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 yeah dude, that'd be sick. Yeah. Alrighty, next one. Um, another odd track and lyrically weird too. Uh, Monsters in the Parasol, mid-tuned electric guitar, kind of plug-in, quick, choppy chords, and a slightly like '80s pop rock sound. Um, my comp here was like it's a bit Beatles, Matt Alice Cooper. Yeah, it's definitely got the like the eeriness to it, but also like that that chop or that poppy cadence to it, mm. and like some of that choral singing that comes along with like like the Beatles, like. Um, the Beach Boys, that kind of thing. Okay, yeah. Uh, but it is very, like, eerie, heavy also as well. Uh, it's strange. Drums are doing some cool stuff on this one, though. I do like the drumming. Um, vocals are bright and fun. Uh, it's goofy. I'm sure the lyrics are a bit more pointed than, than I'm taking them to be, but um, it just seems like a, a toss-away track. Yeah, not really on the lyrics. They're about Josh's first LSD trip. Okay, that's, oh, then I got it, yeah. That's why you get lines like, Paul's dad is warped and bubbling. <laughs> <laughs> they also do it uh, for the vocals, like, in certain parts of the song, it's almost like a background, but they have, like, these, like, monster voices almost. And it's, oh, yeah. It's kind of cheesy, but it's kind of works, and it's kind of funny at the same time. Yeah, if you're in on the joke, then it's like, ah, you know, whatever. <laughs> this is an LSD trip. Uh, uh. Yeah, but you, you know what's funny? At the end of the day, like, I end up saving this song. I do like it. So, okay. Yeah, that's yeah. not something I come back to, but I hear you. All righty. Next one. Uh, this is where it starts to pick up a little bit for me again. Um, that was that middle section I wasn't a huge fan of. Next track, Quick, quick and to the Pointless. Um, this is very, very hard, heavy, like hard rock, almost metal. Um, frantic, but like energetic vocals. A lot of screaming here. Uh, uh, you know, there's different varieties of screaming. I said this is a little bit more... Dave Grohl, White Limo, than it is Chester, or early Lincoln Park. Mm -hmm. um, thick, churning guitars, pounding drums. Uh, it's a it's a fairly fast song, maybe two and some change. Um, but I liked it. Yeah, so this is another one where Nick's on the mic. 
and they actually recorded this all in one take with the drum, bass, and guitar Hell and yeah. the vocals, which is really cool. Yeah. I don't lyrically I don't like this song just because he's he's singing it, it sounds like he's singing about having feelings for like a minor. I'm so Ooh. I'm so old, you're so young. And uh he Nick ended up getting you know oh, accused yeah. of uh yeah. different kinds of abuse later on in life. So for that reason I don't like it, but musically I do like it. Didn't realize that. But, but you would if you don't know, you don't know. You would not be remiss to not know to not notice because again, it's a lot of screaming and a lot of the lyrics. So Right, right. It's not yeah, it's not uh it's not Ed Sheeran singing yeah. every word. Not exactly a crooning. Yeah. Um all righty. Next one. In the fade. Um this got this slow tense open into kind of a almost like a funky light upbeat verse here. Um guitar kind of licking along happily and in, in this hollow sound. Um Bass churning underneath on the chorus, thumpy uh, drums, thumpy bass, give it that funky sound to it. Um, it's a little bit bittersweet in the vocals, in the way the guitar like kind of cries a little bit. It's got this touch of bittersweetness to it. Um, overall, though, really nice track here. Yeah, so this w- this is the first one where they have uh, Mark Lanigan of Sc- Screaming Trees on the mic. Nice. Yeah, which I actually I'd be interested in checking out some of their stuff. There's a there's a number of kind of Let's call them accessory groups to this group that I've I've discovered through my reading that I'm like, huh, I'm, I'm interested in this, that, the author, you know. Yeah, totally. And in the album version of this song, they put in the reprise for Feel Good Hit of the Summer at the end of this song. In yeah, the fade. yeah. Um, which is interesting because in this song they sing, losing a feeling that I couldn't give away, counting and breathing, disappearing in the fade. Uh, just thinking like maybe the fate is so bad that they like turn to drugs mm. and that's why they put the the reprise from that gotcha, little bit hit gotcha. of summer in there. A little like uh, callback reminder. Yeah, yeah. Just a thought. That's interesting. I had, I hadn't thought about why they had put that there. Um, I guess I'll have to go back and give it another listen. Yeah, that's interesting. Alrighty, uh, next track, Tension Head. This is thick, heavy rocker here. Guitars tuned up to fucking 13. Uh, the riff here rocks. Uh, up-tempo music with loud mix screaming on the mic. Drums are complex, loud, all over the place. Um, really adds some weight to this track. This is exactly what I've been wanting from this band. This is such a good deep cut. Yeah, it's funny, again, that you you like this one and quicken to the pointless a little bit more because they're a little bit heavier, whereas I like some of the other ones yeah, a little bit yeah, more. Yeah. But I do, I do. Uh, this one's all right for me. It's actually a re-recording of one of Nick Oliveri's first bands. Yeah, yeah, I songs. saw that. Um, originally recorded in 1997, and lyrically, it's a song about being strung out, looking for a fix, mm. nothing crazy. Yeah, yeah. Kind of what I got from it too. And then they're gonna tune it down here a notch to close out the album. Two tracks left. First one, lightning song. Is this? Is this like a? Is this doesn't this like a a Zeppelin like? I got such hard Zeppelin vibes from this track, dude. Okay, okay. I didn't know quite how to put it. It's a mix of the bongos and this like folky guitar that like plucks along. Doesn't this sound like it would be part of a song on Zeppelin three? You read my <laughs> fucking mind, dude. This has this is Brana ear uh, to a T. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And it's maybe like a two two and a half minute song. But it's such a break from everything else on this album. It, it is very much a folky, like, light bongos and, and a, like, 
plucky acoustic all the way it's it's really fucking cool i didn't even pick up on it the first time around but when i listened back to it i was like is this this is this just like a cover of like a zeppelin bit like it's it sounds so zeppelin-y i'm trying to think um it's certainly not a cover but i'm trying to think if there's anything like there's a tie-in that i'm missing i i feel like it would have came up in my notes but maybe i don't know there's no vocals on this lightning song either, so nothing sticks out to me here as, as tied in, but maybe. Uh, <laughs> Very out of place. Yeah. But again, if you're going to do this, at the end of the album kind of makes sense. Yeah, I agree with that. Yep. Anyways, I, I do like this one just as a standalone as well. Same. All right, and let's close it out with, I think I lost my headache. Um slower but slightly more energetic track than the last one low buzzy riff with a high, another high tune lead guitar um noting over top of it uh higher energy kind of like eccentric vocals all going through the range here uh, a lot of different levels very alt rocky uh, or like maybe even indie something something like that on this one um I, I, drums are adding great depth in certain sections too where maybe something fades down a little bit, you get the drum kind of doing its own thing instead of just hitting that same repeated pattern. Um, there's a lot going on here. It's a longer track, too, and I've listened to it a couple times, and I'm still trying to figure out what, I, what to do with this one. Yeah, I actually, I, I, I enjoy this one. It's an eight-and-a-half-minute song, but there's, like, four minutes of horns at the end. Where, like, did, did you listen to that? Uh, Yes. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... It's funny, like, the song ends, you know, four or five minutes in or whatever, and then, like... It's you just get these weird horns. You just get the weird yeah. horns. Yeah. And, again, it's it's what Josh said on the last album where he just puts it in to wake everyone up if they're <laughs> falling asleep to the album. <laughs> but it's funny because I was reading on Reddit, and a couple people commented. They're like, yeah, it pisses me off when the horns start coming on. Like, it's I always get <laughs> always get angry when I'm in my car and that comes on or, you know, whatever, <laughs> where I'm listening at the gym or wherever. And yeah. <laughs> uh, you're missing the point. Yeah, but the song itself is about, you know, being paranoid and and just what's going through your mind when you're paranoid. But I, I like this. I like the crunchy guitars here, and yeah. I like everything minus the horns. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now we're going into songs for the deaf. We're looking for a new drummer. Uh, there is a, a famously aggrieved rocker back on the market here. Uh, so they turned to none other than Mr. Dave Grohl for drums on this on this next album songs for the deaf what a guy man what a fucking guy he's the and we'll talk about this i as i read through a lot more of their history going forward and forward in the albums dave grohl is the king of side quests <laughs> i actually had put a note here this album is so good musically and i know that dave helped out with more than just the drums like writing, yeah. writing some of the other instruments what if every rock band could just pay a million or two million or whatever the number is to have Dave Grohl come in and play the drums and then help them out with their album? <laughs> <laughs> Which is crazy, right? Because I would say, and this might be a hot take, but he's probably more well-known for being the lead singer of Foo Fighters than he is for the drummer of any other band. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, although I think 90s, like, if you grew up in the 90s, you would argue that probably. But so it's wild to me that when he goes and does these other projects, he never sings. It's always on drums. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> oh, yeah, it, you know what's funny, too, especially with Queens, is they have other, like, they have Mark Lanigan coming in and doing vocals on a couple tracks. Yeah. The, the fact that 
I don't know if maybe Dave Grohl wasn't interested in it, but they didn't say like, hey, Dave, you want to get on the mic for one of these? Nah, brother, I'm on the kit. <laughs> I'm on the fucking kit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's wild that he doesn't get a, a, any kind of. Well, he might be. Well, let's talk about this. This is part concept album, part just awesome classic rock album. Uh, yeah. There's this theme throughout, and you'll hear it on almost all the songs, that you're driving through the West Coast, California, down into, like, Mexico, um, and you're scrolling radio stations, all sorts of odd different radio stations, and you keep coming across Queens of the Stone Age on each of these different odd radio stations, um, and that's all the band members just popping in their vocals, doing, you know, uh, goofy bits about different kinds of radio people, um, and so Dave might be on one of those. I guess I didn't listen that closely, but... I don't think so. So that that's like, there's like two little, two concepts here. That's one of them. And it being like a road trip from LA to Joshua Tree Desert. Yeah. Because that's where Josh, you know, in the band got inspiration yeah. for a lot of stuff. The other concept is that it's music for deaf people. Metaphorically, that with the idea that it's so loud, even the deaf will hear it, which is a cool concept. And, and a hilarious context for the first track on the album. Unless you got anything else, why don't we just get into it? No, 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 let's get into it. So <laughs> it opens with the real song for the deaf. And all this song is is low, like, pulsing synth. Like, pulsing, buzzy synth. Yes, so it's pulses and vibrations so that people deaf that people are actually could, like, feel it. impaired can, yeah, feel yeah. it. Yeah, which yeah. is cool. And hilarious, given there's another track on this album called, titled Song for the Deaf. Just Song for the Deaf. And that one's loud as fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh man, but anyways, um, so that's the that's the opener. But the real open for the album is you think you I you ugh, you think I ain't worth a dollar, but I feel like a millionaire. Um, and so you open with this LA rock radio DJ welcoming listeners in and introducing this Queens of the Stone Age. Um, breaks out into this loud fucking like screamer track. Um, reminded me of Tension Head in a way, like just that same angry heavy sound to it. Um. And again, with the context that this music is so loud that it's for people who are deaf, really, really cool way to like break out this album. You know what? I made a mistake here. Nick didn't get kicked out of the band until after this album. Ah, we're thinking of somebody else. The drummer left her. Yeah. For so I want I want to clarify that because, uh, although I'm sure somebody will uh, get offended that I said that. Yeah. Regardless. Yeah. So let me go back to. I just wanted to fact check that before we uh, started doing this. You think I ain't worth a dollar, but I feel like a millionaire. Yeah, so the reason I had that note was because Nick is on the mic on this song, and mm. I think this is his best work on the mic. Yeah, absolutely. He sounds awesome on this one. It's just in-your-face, heavy, loud fucking rocker. I love it. And so this is the first song on Songs for the Death, but it's preceded by a strange 91-second soundscape that starts with a synth synthesized voice saying uh what followed by what sounds like a heartbeat and some bass pulses yeah this section was hidden and unlisted on the cd to hear it you had to start millionaire track one and press rewind on the player if oh. it had that functionality so this was like a hidden uh oh that's a cool hidden track huh. uh, i like that yeah and The only other note I had on the song is there's a line that says, give me Toro, give me some more, which is a reference to Toro Tequila. 
Some oh. of the cheapest tequila on I the just, market. I just had it for the first time the other day. Oh, God, it's horrible. Did you really? It's funny you bring that up, man. I had never seen it before. It comes with, like, the, the, the bottle cap is a little sombrero. <laughs> oh, it's fucking brutal, man. Nice. Uh, yeah, anyways. Uh, that leads us into the hit off the album. The Probably the most recognizable Queens of the Stone Age track, No One Knows. Uh, it's classic. Just mid-tempo, higher-energy song. But it's got such a, a relatable, like, r- like catchy riff to it. Um, again, a little bit like Journey, Questy vibes to it. Um, the vocals are loud, not loud, but they're like kind of strained a little bit, reaching for something. Um, you know, drums crashing all over the place in bits, and other times in the verses, just kind of you know plugging along a little bit. Uh, yeah, this is just, this is awesome. Yeah, this is a standout track. Lyrically, I don't know if there's elements of it being about authority or drugs. He does sing, we get these pills to swallow, how they stick in your throat, taste like gold, oh, what you do to me, no one knows. The fun fact I had on this song was this song made Dave Grohl the first guy to chart number one with three separate uh, groups. Whoa. Yeah. That's wild. That was kind of cool. Yeah, I guess I can't think of – usually – yeah, that's crazy. Wow, good for him. All right. Um, then this album or this this track closes out with like a Latin rock station. So you'll see, you hear this, uh, you know, Central American radio DJ speaking in Spanish uh, really fast. He's like, ah, da, 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 da. Um, and he's intro- just in, at the very end. He introduces the next track. First, it giveth. Um, and that one is same kind of thing here. I mean, it's. Louder and heavier than the last track, for sure. But, again, sound, songs to the death. So, uh, quick, low, heavy bass here. Bossy guitar over top, boosting that same riff that the bass is playing. Uh, which is funny, because the vocals are almost sweet in, the, like, the way they sing. He's a little bit up in that higher range, a little bit airier with his voice. Not, not like, you know, he's not necessarily, this is no ballad, but uh, it, it's just an odd dynamic they got going on there. Um, you know, but a very tense, heavy sound to it. Drums pounding like Dave's life depends on <laughs> on this track going number one. Uh, I I like this one a lot. No, I do too. I think it's good rock, good vocals. And Josh has said on this one, this is about drug use and its consequences, how it can you know essentially take away from your well being. Right. The bit is first if it first it giveth, then it take. Right. Yeah. But yeah, good song. Next one, songs for the dead. Um. This is a pretty cool track, but it's a little bit different than the other ones. So, th- this one's got this like up tempo hollow guitar, uh, more of that like whiny, almost like um, Tom Morello style guitar. Um, heavy bass. Um, you know, it it just opens with the ba- the the hollow guitar like kind of riffing at the beginning, and then the whole band crashes in again. Um, got a very angry feel to it. Vocals are a bit wavy and eccentric, uh, you know, strange on the mic. A lot of low harmonizing mixed in, too, from the background singers. Um, there is a solo on this one that might be the best in their catalog. It's fan-fucking-tastic. And, uh, yeah, then there, there's other cool sections, too, where, like, towards the end of the track, you'll hear the, the track stop, and then the band kicks right back into it. That happens, like, two or three times. It's, there's a lot of good stuff on this one. Yeah, this is definitely a unique track. They have Mark Lanigan again on the mic, yeah. and then they have like Josh chiming in with different bits. Lyrically, it's got like a nihilistic view on life. Uh, I actually really like the songwriting in this. 
Life's the study of dying, how to do it right. You're a holy roller. If you're betting to lose, if you're hanging around, I'm holding the noose. Um, fun fact on this one, Dave Grohl's got a drum part that has been regarded as like one of the best, like Whoa. in you know of that time. That's fucking kick ass. Yeah, and they had they had an app uh, called Ultimate Guitar, which actually, funny enough, I use for some of my guitar stuff. And I guess in 2014, this was voted as the best Queens of the Stone Age song of oh, their discography yeah. at that point in time. Oh yeah, which is kind of funny. Like I like this song. I don't think it's their best, but it's funny that like everyone this else. This one, yeah, yeah. There's a video of them performing this with Dave Grohl in the, in the early 2000s, and they're jamming like it. It was kick-ass video to watch. Yeah, man. He he did a few stops with them along the way and, and balls to the wall. It, it kind of gave him a little bit of like new life when he did it. Yeah, definitely definitely worth checking out the live performance. It, I was enjoying the song a lot more, like seeing them do it live. Hell yeah. Yeah. All righty. Next one. The Sky is Falling. Um, another thick, heavy riff here. Uh, very in tune with the album. More mid-tempo, but it is still ripping. Um vocals bring energy bring nuance to like a little nuance to an otherwise just kind of like thick heavy track um you know he mixes in some sweeter lines with some of the more loud angry lines um it, overall a simpler song relative to some of the other stuff here um but shouldn't be missed it's still great track here um really nice work we're killing it so far yeah this is one i had saved as well funny enough this was the last song they did for the album Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I guess Josh did the lyrics on the fly, which, you know, is whatever. Yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. Cool stuff. And then they close. This is another one where they close this song and then uh, move over to the radio bit. Um, you don't really hear much when they, they're scrolling through a few different stations. You don't really hear. You'll hear a snippet here, a snippet there. It's more goofy than anything. Yeah. Kind, um, actually, kind of annoying if you're not, like, if you were listening to sh- songs on shuffle and then you heard the song and then you had like another minute of them scrolling through the radio. Some of them, yes. So like on on no one knows. I always listen all the way through. I love the Latin uh, DJ doing his little bit. It just get, I don't know. There's something fun and like energetic about it. Uh, but I could see like a song we'll talk about later. Another love song has this radio bit at the end with a kind of like Halloween themed uh, radio DJ where she's on W O M B. Uh, and I could see myself skipping through that. Yeah. Yeah. All righty. Next one. Six Shooter. Um, almost like borderline interlude track. I don't even think it quite gets to two minutes. Yeah, it's only it's less than two minutes. Yeah. And this is them just like balls to the walls, throwing everything. Heavy, screaming, angry track. Guitars uh, absolutely ripping around, crashing drums. Um a bit reminiscent of some some songs in Blink's catalog in the sense that they take a short little track and just fucking throw everything they got at it. Yeah, they do have several of those. And Nick said on this one that they just put this in here to have cuz they needed a quick explosion at this point in the album. Yeah, pick her up from the last song. Yeah. Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> uh after that is Hanging Tree. This is another one with Mark Lanigan on the mic. Uh, this one, one of the more forgettable ones for me from this album. Yeah, I, I don't know. I I go back and forth. There's some good stuff here, and there's some other stuff I'm not thrilled with. Um, you know, up-tempo, it's kind of this softer, haunting vocal. Bumpy low chords, popping energetic drums underneath. Um, the vocal feels like it's boosted. It's louder uh, than usual here to really drive in the tone of the 
of this like heavy haunting song. Um, you know, there's some really good work on drums, um, moments on guitar, moments on the mic, but yeah, it just didn't all come together for me here. Yeah, same. And then you do hear at the very end of this song, it, it's maybe like two seconds. You just hear the radio dial switch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, before we get to the next song, too, I had a the, another note for the album that I just put it in with this song because that's when I f- it came up. But when they were touring Songs for the Deaf in England, that one show, they had a group of deaf people actually turn up to the concert because they they thought it was like literally Songs for the Deaf. Yeah. yeah and Josh said in an interview, he actually went down to speak with them like the group of them and uh but everyone had already dispersed at that that point he said i hope they got their money back i'm pretty sure they did i distinctly remember there's one person at the show holding a balloon so that they could feel the vibrations that's an all-time like even queens you know like even the the guys in the band like felt bad for that one it would be kind of sick if they still like thrashed along like they were in the mosh pit or something that would fucking rock (laughs) (laughs) oh man yeah, you do feel bad for them, though. A bit uh, misguided. Yeah. All right, next one. Uh, Go With The Flow, another big hit off this album. Uh, high energy, high tempo, a little bit cleaner, a little bit poppier. Uh, piano and electric guitar pounding along together at the same time to create this, like, fun, really, again, another really catchy, really cool riff. Um, higher energy on the mic and, like, traveling vocals, too, kind of stretching out again. Uh, drums, fantastic here. Uh, just another fun, classic Queens of the Stone Age track. Yeah, another one of my favorites off the album. Uh, lyrically, Josh is dealing with, you know, like a, a love interest that won't commit. So he's mm-hmm. saying, you know, go with the flow, let it play out, but don't say it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is another one where they played an early version of this song on some tour dates before it was released just to kind of feel it out. Nice. And I, again, I, I, we haven't really talked about that before. The, this is the first group that comes to mind where they like, road tested their songs before putting them on albums which is kind of cool i know people don't do it as much today because obviously everything gets gives recorded, it away yeah but uh it's cool that they were able to do that early 2000s hmm. yeah i never thought about that i feel like that's something people probably used to do a lot more but i wouldn't know yeah interesting all righty next one gonna leave you this didn't strike me as crazy in any way it's not good it's not bad it's just there uh Generic hard rock, kind of a simple buzzy riff, mid-level vocals, uh, drums are a little bit poppier, a little bit cleaner. Nothing crazy here. Yeah, I do. I really like the riff, and then I really like the drums on this song. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't. I'm not gonna hate on you for it, but it just didn't strike me. The title for the song is kind of a play on Zeppelin's "Babe, I'm Gonna Leave You." Ah, okay. Yeah. We're on to you, fuckers. Well. They have another one, uh, You Can't Quit Me Baby, is a, a reference for I Can't Quit You Baby. Yeah. Like, that's another one. Which, and again, that w- that interlude on the last album that sounded like that's Zeppelin. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. We're fucking on to you. <laughs> uh, the only other note on this one was it was about Nick's separation from his ex-wife at the time. Gotcha. That's where they got the inspiration for the lyrics. Gotcha, gotcha. All right. Next one. Do it again. Uh, this one feels very anthemy to me. Chanty yells mixed with low-range buzzy vocals, battle-ready drumming, um, churning quick riff repeating with a high note on the end. Um, it, this is a perfect workout playlist type of track here. Just gets the blood pumping, dude. Absolute banger. I kind of got the feeling that this was like a filler track, but it 
it hits hard. It crushes, man. Top to bottom. Until you get to the radio section at the end, crushes. Yeah, no, this is one of my favorites from the album, too. Uh, I think it's just a song about being addicted to someone. But, yeah, this is it hits hard. Yeah. Yeah. So then you get the radio scrolling at the end. And maybe if I went back and listened through all the radio sections, I, I would draw something out of it. But in this radio section in particular, it stood out to me that all the radio stations that they stop on are Christian radio stations in some variation, whether that's you know Christian rock station, Christian talk station. They're all Christian-themed radio stations, which leads right into the next track, God is on the radio. Um, this feels like a very pointed, very deliberate set placement obviously but also a very deliberate track this isn't just like ah you know fucking chicks is cool um right there's a lot going on here and it's more of a hard rock bluesy kind of thing here mid-tempo drums licking buzzy guitars um more than that blues cadence um vocals are a bit more in that southern slower feel too uh where they're drawing out lines a little bit and kind of taking their time between sections um then there's a little like Little licks, little deviations that the guitar makes on the on this riff. Really, again, I love this riff, but the the deviations that uh, Troy's making on these rock, dude. Again, just kick ass song, a kick ass solo on this one too. Really good work. Yeah, this is another one. I had the same notes. Great solo, great rock. So back in like the sixties and seventies, people used to say like the devil's in the radio, or if you rewind this song, like people have hidden messages, yeah, yeah, like yeah. that kind of stuff. Right. This song is like the flip of that, saying that God is in the radio, not the devil. Yeah. It's kind of like a you know a backhanded yeah. way of uh, talking about that. Right. They have this part in the interlude of the song where you can barely even hear it. You can like just kind of make out that someone's like saying something. On Genius, it was it was uh, the lyrics I'm about to say, but like in reverse. Okay. So like to to play yeah, on yeah, like yeah, that yeah. joke. Ah, uh, okay, okay, gotcha. But it, if you reverse like the the garbly goop, they're singing or saying, "I'm right behind you, watching you. Look over your left shoulder, the bottom window. I'm in Eric's room. You're inside my hands." Um, but it's just funny that they did that bit. Yeah, they yeah, they leaned it. into it. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Cool. Yeah, but yeah, another another great track. Good one here. All right, next one, another love song. A uh, bit more pop rocky here. Crying organ and this up tempo, choppy kind of mid tune guitar. Uh, poppy clean vocals play it's a bit of a like a love song trope here almost like they're kind of like sarcastically playing a love song right um not really one of my favorites but i get the bit yeah and this is another one that uh nick did the vocals for and it was inspiration from you know his love life and this is the one i was talking about earlier where you get the w-o-m-b uh radio dj on here spinning records on the womb yeah, which is funny that they put that for the, the love song. Yeah, 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 right. And that leads into Song for the Deaf, not to be confused with the real song for the deaf. <laughs> um, but yeah, this guy, this opens with this dangerous kind of low, bumpy bass. Uh, that like travels on for a good 20, 30 seconds and then breaks into the loud, energy, energetic, big rock track. Um, fantastic riffing here. There's some good little soloing mixed in here, too. On a few different guitars, it sounds like, where you get different sounds on it. Uh, a lot of cool work on the guitar guitars, plural, here. Um, energy is just high and angry throughout. Uh, the vocals, same thing. Like, the vocals do not let off the, kind of don't let off the gas too much. Um, 
it's a fantastic closer for the album, let's say. Yeah, I think this is one that's good for the album, but I, I nece- not I probably won't go back not to it. Not one of your lot. favorites, yeah, that's fine. Uh Mark and Josh are doing the vocals here. And they, they do have they I think they use metaphors in a way that they don't typically do on this song where they sing like the blind can go get fucked, lie beside the ditch where y- you're not supposed to take it at face value. It's kinda saying like people are blind to deeper meanings and things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're saying something so ridiculous at face value that, yeah, I get it. Yeah, and same with, like, the the tag, you know, a song for the deaf, where it's, again... It's sarcastic. It doesn't mean anything. Well, y- not only that, but it's, like, there's things that you might not be able to hear or understand, even if... Oh, know, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. I gotcha. Okay. So kind of along those lines, which is, again, it's cool in the concept of the album. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. And that's technically the last track on the album. Um, but then... The track keeps going and going. And then after a little bit, you hear this, like, the music, not the music from this song, but you'll hear, like, horns pick up again. <laughs> you get that classic, like, Queens of the Stone Age close. And then that drops out again. And then a track that wasn't listed just starts playing, the Mosquito, the mosquito song. So we talked a long time about Nirvana doing the ghost track. Um, this is a ghost track on this album, which is fucking cool. Uh, but it overall, strange add to this album in particular. Yeah, definitely. It is uh, it is cool doing the hidden tracks, though. Yeah, I like it. It's fun, especially when you're buying, like, physical copies. It's fucking sick. Well, and this track has a totally different vibe to, like, yeah. the rest of the album. Every other song has been hard, loud, heavy rock. This is very much, like, a sad cowboy palette. Yeah, and it's lyrically, like, they actually touch on, like, some of, like, just human suffering and, like, the meaninglessness of, <laughs> of life. Like, it's, you know, pretty deep stuff. Yeah, right. Uh, you know, it's got folky low guitar and these soft light vocals with bits of accordion mixed in. Yeah. Um, I- again, very cowboy western sadness vibe to it. Uh, it's it's strange. You know what's cool though? In the lyrics, they actually tease the title for the next album. He sings, "Where will you hide? Lullabies to paralyze." Oh, I didn't catch that. Which is All that's right. pretty cool. Hell yeah. Yeah. Well, then what I do like too. So this is what I was talking about earlier. So at the very end of this one, you hear the radio kind of buzz back on. And you hear Nick come on the mic. It's either Nick or it's uh, Dave Catching, one or the other. I think it might be Dave. Dave Catching. Um, he gets on the mic here and he's like, "Hey, this is Dave Catching from FM seventy nine point two, and just kind of riffs a little bit. But if you didn't know, you wouldn't know any better. That would just be you know r- radio rock DJ. And if you know anything about Queens of the Stone Age, that's Dave Catching. Uh, he plays. I think he plays guitar. Um, yeah, he plays guitar and keyboard on the first two albums. Uh, just a cool little bit. Yeah, it, and it is, like, when we're talking about it, it is actually a cool bit for a concept album to have, like, the radio. Going yeah, 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 it's yeah. just fun. It's not serious. It's something cool. Yeah. But you can you can do serious things. You can do little uh, foreshadowing bits. But in this case, most of it's just fun. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's fun. Overall, fantastic album. Yeah, I, I, I think this is, like, their one of their most, if not the most, critically acclaimed one of the best rock albums of the 2000s, maybe top 10. I, I'm going to have to think on that one. But it's, well, I guess I'm going to have to think on that one. But it, it's certainly in contention. Yeah, I was thinking about this the other day. I didn't put names down on a list, but it struck me as about top 10, you know, debatably. One of the reasons I was thinking about it, too, is 
I still need a couple more weeks to sit with rated R songs for the Deaf and Lullabies Paralyzed to figure out which of those I like the best. Mm, gotcha. Because gotcha. right now I've kind of been going back and forth. So you don't even agree that this is the best album of those three yet. You wouldn't solidify yourself in saying that. No, because I've got like yeah. eight, nine, ten tracks saved from each of those albums. And right now I'm just going back and listening again and again and again. Interesting. All righty. Uh, so that wraps up Songs for the Deaf. And brings us into our last album for today, Lullabies to Paralyze. And this is kind of a concept album, too. In yeah, in a way, yeah. In each song, they kind of sing about, you know, either a loved one who's either missing or deceased or they were in a relationship and now they're broken up or whatever. It's not explicitly clear, but it's, you know, the th- overarching theme of the album is like, you know, thoughts on different people that were once in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's a perfect open for this album. Um, I mean, it's different. It just is what it is. Oh, this lullaby? Yeah, sorry. I, I, my bad. Uh, lost, lost my train of thought there. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting, it's certainly different, uh, again, but I think they've, after the last album, it feels like they've perfected their sound at the very least. Um, and they carry that over very well into this album. Which is funny, though, because one of the things I read about this album, uh, after a while, Josh had said that this is the most fucked up they've ever band, been as a band. Really? In their entire, like, in the entire time they've been doing this. This has been their, like, low point. I didn't look into it, but what were they on? Like, everything? I don't know. I would imagine a lot of things. Well. Yeah, I don't know, though. I didn't. I didn't. It's crazy. As much as I read about them, I didn't see what their drugs of choice were. Yeah. You know what's funny? I don't know if anyone will, will get this, but Josh, I, s- I was watching a YouTube video of him doing an interview. He looks like the bad guy in the show The Peripheral on Amazon Prime. I'll, yeah, I no <laughs> I'll pull him up. Well, I'll, I'll, s- I'll send you a picture later. All right, sounds good. Um, unless you got anything else, let's get in right into it. huh? Yeah, let's do it. Cool. So, yeah, so this opens with this lullaby. Um, and it is uh, just this quiet haunting lullaby of the man's like deep heavy voice um over this like slow plucky guitar i do love this as an open it it very much sets the tone even though this doesn't sound like anything else on the album um it it just sends a message a little bit yeah and it also ties into the last song on the album long slow goodbye a little bit too yeah and uh this another one where lanigan's on the mic yeah it sounds like that's yeah that's what i got too uh, and that brings us into Medication as the first true track on the album. Um, musically, it struck me as very similar to Feel Good Hit of the Summer. It's got that same kind of riff pattern, same sound, same energy. Um, a little bit different on the mic, a little bit more, you know, varied, but that's not saying a lot the, since, you know, the, <laughs> the vocal work from Feel Good Hit of the Summer doesn't set a high bar necessarily. <laughs> um, but, yeah, very similar in that way. And for that reason, I think it's a good open for the album. Yeah, so funny enough, this song was written in the Songs for the Deaf era. Okay. So maybe, you know, a little bit of a leftover. Yeah, uh, gotcha. Kind of follows the same lyrical themes as Better Living Through Chemistry, just looking at different drugs. They also have a line in this song where they sing, I'm so contagious, can I come? And then there's a song later on the album that is, I never came. Ah, <laughs> okay, gotcha. I didn't catch that. Don't know if it's intentional, assuming it is. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. That song comes seven tracks later. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, all right next one uh everybody knows that you're insane great song great song title yeah it's perfect for the music too it's got this fun 
very dance along kind of poppy vibe tuned down again uh you know it's got super buzzy energetic vocals awesome riff on this one um you know mixing the guitar and the bass doing the same riff again boosting it i, I love that sound um heavy popping drums um great track yeah one of my favorites from the album he's got a verse in here you want to know just how long you can hide from what you are not very long i've been lost down every road i follow out in the dark and on my way home i think that line i've been lost down every road i follow that's a really cool line that hits yeah and i do just like the the chorus line here too where he's so energetic about everybody knows that you're insane (laughs) (laughs) it's just funny yeah definitely uh all righty, next one, Tangled Up in Plaid. Um, slower track here, this choppy kind of buzzy riff. Drums dumbed down a little bit, um, just simpler. Uh, a little echo added into certain mic sections that give it some nuance. Um, you know, it's got a very catchy sound to it. I like this one. Yeah, this is uh, it's decent. Not one of my favorites, but still decent. The title, Tangled Up in Plaid, and I didn't know this because I'm not a big Bob Dylan fan, but I guess it's a play on Bob Dylan's Tangled Up in Blue. Ah, uh, yeah, I'm not a huge fan either. I didn't catch that. Yeah, but it is cool. Like, we've caught a couple different, yeah. like, yeah. like the Zeppelin, yeah. the Bob Dylan. Like yeah, it, I like that. It's just cool. Yep. Um, righty. Next one, Burn the Witch. Heavy southern blues here. Um, it's a fun sound, um, even though it's not, like, super fun vocals uh, or, or super fun lyrics um but it's got like a fun even bluesy sound to it, it this is one that struck me as very stone temple pilots um s- again slower still lively though um good heavy like just a fun riff on this one um i like this one a lot yeah so they actually get billy gibbons of zz top on guitar and then he contributes a few like small vocals throughout uh, this is one where he, they're singing about like the Salem witch tr- trials and like the kind of hysteria behind that. And Josh actually said for him, he had kind of written this about kicking Nick out of the band and, you know, feeling victimized because he's getting all this backlash from people for kicking out Nick, even though it's like, you know, he was one of Josh's longtime friends too. He just had to do it. So, yeah. Yeah. I hear yeah. All righty. Next one. Another one that struck me as very Stone Temple Pilots. In my head. Um, good tempo, good energy here. Uh, it didn't strike me as unique or eclectic in a way. Oh, really? I love that. This is one of my favorite Queen yeah, songs. No, I, I like this track. I'm just saying it didn't strike me as super creative. Uh, it's a great sound, though. Uh, everything's cleaned up a little bit here. Um, yeah, good track. So, fun facts on this one. This song appeared in Need for Speed Underground 2. Which was a fun game back in the day. I don't know if you ever got into that one. No, nah, I never really played that much. Uh, and then the music video for this song, it was kind of inspired by uh, a Black Flag from back thing from back in the day where they use like the same colors, like the colors like it, it goes into someone in the, with a color and then it kind of blocks off and then goes into a different color. But uh, Troy said on this, this was the only time we listened to the record label. And it was such a fuck up on our part. The video ended up looking so lame. It was the three of us against a green screen with effects added later. It was like a fucking Gap commercial. It was just terrible. Just terrible. We were on the road and we weren't in control of it. But I just love that line where he's like, this is the only time we listened to the label and they fucked it up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. 
I like that. But yeah, this for me is all-time catchy chorus. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. There's a long section through the middle here that I'm in love with, man. Oh, same. I think I think this album maybe gets slept on a little bit in terms of like numbers, downloads, listens, stuff like that, but it's a fantastic album. Yeah, I agree. Uh, next one, this is one of the hits off the album, I would say, Little Sister. Um, <laughs> this gave me very, like, Beatles cover vibes for some reason here. I don't know. Well, I do know why. Part of it is this, like, it's the choral singing. You'll, you'll get lots of choral singing where, like, background singers kind of pop in for a second to add with the line. Um, and it's even got, like, a poppy sound to it. Um, Troy's playing this, uh, this super washed out guitar. Um, sick solo there's another lick in this one that kind of gets repeated throughout that i love um you know fun poppy sound with that queens of stone age twist on it um even i think the vocals they move through the range really well here this is one of the better songs in the album for sure 100 percent. and they actually do it's a love song where they he sings little sister but it was actually inspired by an elvis song of the same name oh, where he kind of does you. something similar where gotcha. it's you know you're replacing your love interest with little sister, but yeah, it, it okay. is a love song. Yeah. Uh, another fun fact, this has got like the, it's called a jam block, but it sounds like the cowbell. Mm. So Queens of the Stone Age were on SNL. Oh yeah. This is awesome. In the two thousands. And they had uh, Will Ferrell playing the cowbell with them live, which is just in character. He's playing one of the characters <laughs> that he did one of the sketches and he comes out in that same character and plays cowbell on, on the uh, musical appearance. Dude, it's I awesome. couldn't find it on YouTube and I looked for like a good five minutes, but I, just the fact that he did that is yeah. Will Ferrell's a man. The rocks. Rocks. <laughs> That's not the only comedian note I have in this group, but that might not come up today. <laughs> uh, all righty. Next one. I, I Never Came. We're back. Yeah. Uh, quieter, but like kind of an up-tempo track. Quick, kind of plucky riff. Simple, softer drums. Um, vocals get up into this like higher range. Very sweet sound from them, relatively. Um, very different from pretty much everything else they've ever done. Um, you get a little bit of a simple solo later on. Uh, I do like this one. A bit ballady. Yeah, definitely a ballad. It's he's it's like a slow love song. I I got th- this song gave me the chills the first time I listened to it. Like yeah. looking at the lyrics. Um, and they have this cool guitar part that only comes in around like two minutes and then four minutes. One of my favorite like little guitar licks yeah. or riffs yeah, yeah, that they I like do. That. Yeah. And uh, one of my favorite verses too, where he sings the laws of all. The laws of men are just pretend. They ain't mine. Love so good, love so bad, it won't die. Some talk too long, they know it all. Well, I just smile and move on. Words ain't free like you and me. I don't mind, yeah. And that line, words ain't free like you and me, that's another one of my favorite Queens lines. Yeah, that's really fucking cool. Kind of clever. Yeah. Uh, That just reminded me of something, though, that I've seen on TikTok a lot lately. This has been going on for a while, but it's come across my feed now. Are you familiar with the idea of sovereign citizenry? No. Oh, brother. There's a there's a group of people living in this country that believe that co- old common law applies to all people who live in this country. And so basically they don't have to uh, adhere to a, a variety of different uh, federal and state laws. So like if they get pulled over, a lot of times you'll see the TikToks, they'll get pulled over for speeding or something. Right. And the guy will ask for his license and he's like, I'm not a citizen of this state. I'm merely traveling. <laughs> And the guy goes, no, you're driving. And he says, no, I'm traveling. I don't need a license to travel. Jesus Christ. And this goes on and on and on back and forth until the guy ends up just getting arrested every time. <laughs> oh, it's fucking hilarious, dude. <laughs> dude that, yeah, that's crazy. I've not heard of that. <laughs> oh, that's the best. All righty. 
next one, something or someone's in the wolf. Uh, good, just solid hard rock here. Mid tempo guitars tuned up a notch uh, and a bit washed. Uh, love the lead guitar. Troy's killing it again here. Uh, and it's not that it's like ripping all over. It's just really, really nice work. Um, vocals are a bit strung out, bit haunting here. Uh, they feel raspy a little bit. Uh, it adds that like cool tension to that, uh, which kind of ties back into the title of the track. I I like this one a lot too. The guitar in this song is absolutely wicked. Yeah, rock. Some of the best guitar work. The lyrics are kind of doing a play on the Little Red Riding Hood. Yeah, which is. I don't know. It's cheesy, but the guitar it's the guitar is worth checking out. Oh, absolutely. I don't have anything else on that one. Alrighty. Next one, The Blood is Love. This is a very jammy hard rock track. Um it goes in a lot of different directions. It's a longer track. It's got this generally trancey kind of eclectic sound uh, and lower level vocals. The backing music for the most part is somewhat simple. You know, drums not doing much, um, you know, rhythm guitar kind of chugging along but um then the all the players kind of get their moments to to lick and change and whatever it's it's not for me oh i love this song this is one of my favorites from the album uh lyrically this is josh's the last line in the song the blood is love is something that he said to a dying relative mm. and the song is about you know being with someone that is dying Open up your eyes, deep blue glassy lake, and swim till water and sky now are one out of two. Oh, my bloodshot eyes. Open up, open up your mouth. Touch your lips to mine. That way we make a kiss that can pierce through death and survive. Your words have branded my mind. And then the song closes with, you ask when you're alone, what is love? The blood is love. So, one of my favorites from this album. Interesting. All right. Next one, Skin on Skin. Uh, a little bit similar to the last track in the, the jammy sense, but heavier overall. Um, still slow, uh, kind of washy you know, on the guitars here. Uh, this is another one where Troy just gets to fuck around and have a good time on the guitar. He's all over the place with the licks and the solos, and they're kicking ass again. Um, Josh adding that hint of danger on the mic here again that he's done a bunch on this album now. Um, I, I like a lot of the sound here, uh, but it's the vocals and maybe s just the speed generally that has me kind of wondering if I'd go back to this one. Still not sure. Yeah. This is a, you know, sex song. I like I, it's Josh's songwriting has gotten noticeably better in this album. Yeah, I agree. And even though this is like a sex songs, like just some of the, you know, play on words where he has, or watch you come from above. I'm so needy for love. I'm desperate, greedy and slavery sneak around from behind. I got a one track mind. We got a skin on skin thing, baby. Yeah. Like he's just getting better with all with aspects of songwriting. Boy. Yeah. Which is funny because you said this is the most messed up they've ever been on drugs, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but maybe that goes back to that conversation we had about tapping into the creative side. So, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. All right. Next one, Broken Box. Uh, this is, for some reason, I got a very, these last three tracks struck me as very classic rock. Very oh, really? 60s, 70s classic rock. Um, I could see that. Here I got more of like a 70s pop rock vibe. Uh, it's got the screechy lower guitar licking all over it. But the, the rhythm guitar is very 70s pop rock, kind of uh, fun, bright feel. Um, lots of layered vocals here and poppy clap-along drums. Uh, background vocalists adding bits in. Um, it feels like, now that we're four albums in, it feels like at this point in the album, they're mixing it up on purpose every time to kind of like, we've given you the meat and potatoes, now here's dessert. Yeah, for sure. And dessert's wildly different. Um, <laughs> it's not a bad track. Um, 
I don't know if I'd come back to it necessarily. Yeah, this this dessert would probably be carrot cake for me, a little bit forgettable. <laughs> I hear you. But uh, the next track I do like, you got a killer scene there, man. This one's like swaggy, laid back. Fantastic, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, this one gave me very much like 60s, 70s drunk rock, uh, you know, Pink Floyd type of vibes here. Um, somewhat conversational vocals mixed in with like harmonizing and uh, classic rock guitars here. It's fairly simple musically, you know. It's not too high high paced. Uh, nobody's doing anything too crazy, but I just love the sound. It sounds fantastic. And yeah. they get all the guys do some part of the vocals or background vocals on this oh, song. Oh hell yeah, yeah, that rocks. Yeah, no, I, I like this one. I also like the last song, the closer for the album, a lot. Long slow goodbye. Yeah, there's a very bright classic rock ballad sound here. Uh, easy accepting feel. Uh, guitar riff matched up with this pounding piano and drums, all playing the same. All hitting the notes at the same time um, and it gives it this full, like, complex sound. Um, airy, easy breezy vocals, crying lead guitar licking over throughout. Very, like, fantastic way to close this album. Oh, definitely. And especially going back to the concept of this song being about someone that was in your life at one point and, you know, has either passed away or is gone. This song is great for that. The lyrics kind of mournful, suggesting that the person hasn't found the loved one like their efforts yeah, have been fruitless yeah, yeah. and uh they actually use this on uh one of the final episodes for anthony bourdain's show after he passed away oh. i guess him and josh were friends in real life that's cool and i, I yeah i thought that was really cool too they, uh, anthony bourdain strikes me as a kind of odd guy that would be into something like this yeah 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 righty. And that's all there is for that album, and that's all we got this week for Queens of the Stone Age. Um, so next week we'll be back to Dire Straits for their final three albums. Yep. Um, we'll get a couple Taylor Swift episodes in the mix, and then um, and then we're back to Queens of the Stone Age for their final four albums. Oh yeah. All righty, guys. Follow us on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube at Flip the Record. Like, review, subscribe on Apple and Spotify. Thanks for listening. Catch you on the next one.